You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Let me start by saying good morning to all of you up at the mills. Glad you guys are with us this morning at Riverside, and welcome to all of you again. I hope you've been enjoying this FaceTime theme that we've been doing. Uh, Hopefully you connect with that, and uh, it's a good metaphor to help you think about prayer and communicating with God. And so here I am this morning. Uh, For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Donnie Marsh. I'm the student ministries pastor here. And so this is my part of the theme, that I get to talk about FaceTime, and uh, uh, I figured this would be a fun metaphor to work with. Uh, It's one that I connect with personally very, very well, this whole FaceTime thing. Uh, How many of you guys have actually used the FaceTime, and maybe it's not FaceTime, maybe, maybe you've used video calling of some kind, but you have used video calling on your device and talked to people and looked at their face. Raise your hand. Okay. So most of you, if you haven't used it, you're at least familiar probably uh, with that technology, which is crazy because as I think Pastor Bill referenced a few weeks ago, you know, this was a a, a thing of dreams, you know, years and years ago, you'd think, wouldn't it be cool if, and now here we are doing that, uh, which is incredible. So I love FaceTime. I remember when it first came out, the cool thing about FaceTime for me was we got it uh, on our phone and the technology just became, you know, available, readily available when we were taking one of our student mission trips to Cambodia. And so uh, we were able to use Wi-Fi and actually talk to people real time, looking at their face, which was just transformative. I remember technology changed our communication on this mission trip all the way across the world, you know, for students to be able to connect with their parents very easily. Uh, it, was, it was revolutionary. Uh, and of course, being able to see people's facial expressions and things like that. But the thing about FaceTime, and, and you have to know what I'm talking about here. If you don't, I'm really sorry. But this is very real to me. And I think it's real to a lot of people, especially if you have kids in your house. FaceTime uh, has a propensity to draw out the desire in people to just make faces at each other. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, and if you have kids in your house, you know that if there is if there is a device that's live and there's someone on the other end and you're talking to them, if there is a kid in the house, they're going to come to that device and shove you out of the way and make faces into it. They don't even care who's on the other end. They want to make faces because there's that little screen up at the top that shows you. You know, so you're not even looking at the person that you're talking to. You're just making faces at yourself to someone else. And if you've used FaceTime, you know, you you probably are familiar with this. If you have not done that and you're thinking, wow, I've never done that, you need to do it. It's awesome. Um, It's like a little mirror, you know, and someone else gets to laugh at you. But I don't know about you, but that's that's a regular occurrence for me and my family. Let me just be honest. Those of you guys who know me, I'm not going to say it's just my kids. Shelly and I like to make faces into it too. So we're talking to her family or whoever we're talking to, there's always this, you know, face making that goes on. So remember Jesus is watching you right now when I ask you this question. How many of you guys have ever made faces into video calling and FaceTime? All right. All right. Good. All right. So you guys, you guys have had that joy and that pleasure. Some of you have yet to discover that. I have a few pictures actually, because this is another thing that people do. You can, you can look at some of our pictures there. We were FaceTiming our kids on vacation like last year or something like that. It's a little dark, hard to see, but you can see Shelly and I making faces at our kids. So they were on the other end and we were on vacation and we're, you know, we're FaceTiming our, our kids and making, making faces at them. David and Cece there. So uh, 
Middle East in our family, that's actually a way to relate to each other now. Uh, it's a pattern of communication. I don't know how many more there are there. <laughs> I don't think I told them I was going to be doing this, so they're probably seeing it live for the first time. Shelly, I know you don't see Shelly in that context, my wife Shelly. Most of you, if you know her, you don't see her making faces. But uh, So we like to have fun with that. And what I was thinking when I was thinking about this FaceTime prayer series is you know, we're calling it FaceTime with Jesus. What if we did that to God? You know, what if, what if every time we prayed, if we could see God's face, we were making faces at him, you know? And what if he made faces back at us? That'd be crazy, right? You know? Uh, so I was thinking, man, that would be weird. You know, God's sitting up there going, why are you doing that? What are you making faces at me for? We're supposed to be talking here, you know? So uh, uh, I would probably make faces at, at God uh, just because I do that with other people. But uh, maybe it's ease the tension a little bit. Um, so FaceTime, though, the thing is, and some of you guys had this. Have, speaking of faces, how many of you guys have had FaceTime freeze on you when someone's doing something like this? And it freezes in their faces in a real, you know, because sometimes the internet connection's bad and it freezes in the person's face. And then you're still talking and they're not there. You're just looking at their frozen face, you know? Um, so it depends on your wireless. It depends on your carrier. It depends on where you are. Uh, there are so many things that all of you, if you own any kind of device, you know the million things that can interrupt or interfere with any kind of signal, whether it be audio, video, whatever. And I was thinking this interference uh, is very similar to our relationship with God. When it comes to communicating with God, when it comes to prayer, uh, when it comes to that heart-mind connection we have with Jesus... Interference is very real, and really it's the same things, the same type of things. It can be where we are, locations, circumstances, uh, what's going on in our lives can cause interference. Things basically that stop us from praying, things that stop us from communicating with God, things that take time away from that incredibly important uh, connection that we have. And so the question I want to deal with for a few minutes out of the book of Daniel is how should we react to the interference in our face time with God? How should we react to the interference that we deal with when it comes to our face time with God? So I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. And real interesting, I was telling you at the beginning, I was, uh, for the Mills people, I was uh, telling uh, the people here at the beginning of service that I got to be a part of uh, Fun and Freedom Day Camp in Springdale and uh, talked to some great 5th and 6th grade boys for Bible study. And this, the text we're looking at this morning is actually the text I got to talk to them about uh, in Dave and Janine's backyard next to the swing set. So uh, when I got that Bible passage, I was like, oh, cool. This is like a theme this week. So uh, Daniel chapter 6, I encourage you, as I always do, read your Bible. Go get your own background on Daniel. Read the whole book of Daniel. Uh, get to know Daniel through the scriptures. Get to know Daniel's story because you will not get Daniel 6 as well. Uh, you'll get it better if you go home and read the whole book and uh, look at Daniel's whole story, his life. It'll enrich you and you'll get a lot of it. We don't have time to go into all that this morning, but what you need to know is Daniel as a young man was ripped from his home country and sent into basically slavery or captivity in another country as a very young man. Uh, and he was very wise, very smart, and probably good-looking and all of that stuff. And to boot, God gave him the ability to like interpret dreams and visions and stuff. So pretty, pretty awesome guy. So he was an incredible guy, and he was kind of like a mutant with the power of the Holy Spirit at the same time. And so that made him an up-and-comer in leadership. And so the kings loved this guy, you know, because he was cool, and he had this superhero power of reading minds and interpreting dreams and just being an awesome guy. And so he served 
these kings, these great emperors. I mean, these guys had all the power in the world. And Daniel served as an advisor and a leader for them. And so we, we pick up Daniel in the midst of one of his leadership decisions. Now, you've got to know that uh, you can infer by the fact that he was ripped uh, from his homeland and put into captivity that he was a tough guy. He had some tough breaks really early in life, so you know that he had to learn perseverance very early. When it came to his faith in God, he had to learn how to stick to it. He had to learn how to figure out how to live as a follower of God in the midst of a culture that was hostile to that. And so what we find him in here, this clash, this interference for Daniel, was not new to him. He had had years and years of practice. It was easy to look at Daniel and say, wow, I can never be like that. I, you know, he had some years to work on this. So he's an older guy at this point, and uh, he's doing his job, and he's, he's functioning in the role that God has placed him in before this king. And that's where we pick it up. In Daniel chapter 6, and uh, I'll read, and you can read with me, and we'll, we'll take breaks and talk about things, but Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius, and he was the king, to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. So Daniel's a part of a larger group of these guys who lead and serve, and these are all kinds of people. Uh, it seems from this story uh, that Daniel was the only devoted follower of God that was a part of this group. Uh, the only real genuine uh, believer. So uh, it goes on to say, uh, the satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel was so distinguished, he so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So that tells you how competent, what a man of integrity and honesty and wisdom that he was. So even in his group, he was a leader among his peers. Uh, the king gave him special responsibility and trusted him. So in verse 4, it says that this, of course, this is the world that we live in. And all of us deal with this all the time. Verse 4 is just a reality of being on a broken planet. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so. Wow. So you've got these very smart, high-level people trying to find a problem with this guy, and they couldn't find it because he was just such a great guy. And so this jealousy is burning inside of them. They want him gone. It sounds similar to what Jesus went through. Uh, he was so awesome and so full of the Holy Spirit that you know, the Pharisees freaked out. So there's some similar things there. So they couldn't do it. <clears throat> it goes on to say they could find no corruption in him. What a great model. To live by. What a great person to look at and be inspired to, to be like. It says, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they knew. We don't know how they knew. But they knew he was a follower of God. So whatever his faith was, his faith, his love for God came out in his daily life, obviously. And it obviously came out in his leadership. It was visible. People knew he was a follower of God, yet he was still able to maintain his duty. So he's just a great example of how to have faith and be strong in the midst of a hostile environment uh, to faith. So verse 6, so these administrators, satraps went to the, uh, to the king. And these are smart guys, so they're like shifty and conniving. And like, we got to trap him, we'll use his faith to do it. May King Darius live forever. So they knew how to suck up too. Verse 7, the royal uh, administrators and all these guys have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except you, 
your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. They liked to kill people in creative ways in ancient times. And so that was one of the ways they liked to kill people was to throw them to the lions. Uh, it seemed like that prevailed for many centuries. But So they, they wanted to get him into this lion's den was their goal. They wanted to kill Daniel this way and really rid, get rid of him for good. So this is some serious anger and jealousy going on to lead someone to want to murder someone. This was a real threat to their power. They really saw him as a threat to their power. So they wanted to get him thrown in the lion's den. They appealed to the king's vanity and ignorance. And so they tell him this. And so verse eight says, now your majesty issue a decree and put it in writing that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. They're emphasizing that, you know, they don't want the king to go back on his word. Verse nine. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Verse 10. Now when Daniel, and this is where we get to the FaceTime part of what we want to talk about. And verse 10 starts hitting on this. So Daniel, you know, heard about this. And he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel knew it was coming. You know, if he read that in the group and just kind of knew what these guys were going to do and just was like, you know, I'll, I'll let my faith in God stand on its own. It's the kind of guy he was if you read the book of Daniel. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the, win- uh, where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. So he immediately goes to his upstairs room with the windows open so that people can see in. And he goes, and and, and we're going to read in a second, that he prays, that he talks to God. And the thing I want us to pull out of that is to pray without fear. Pray without fear. Daniel prayed without fear. He prayed without fear of any king. He prayed without fear of any human power, any circumstance. He didn't hide. And we're not supposed to hide. We're not supposed to hide our faith or work to hide. Jesus said, don't hide your light. Let it shine. And so Daniel is an example of doing that. And God doesn't hide. He didn't hide when we needed him the most. Jesus didn't hide when it was time to go to the cross to show God's love for us. He didn't back down and hide when it got real. He stood up with windows wide open. Jesus prayed and ultimately Jesus hung naked and died on a cross for our sin when most of us would have gone and and hidden away. And so Daniel did not hide. And when we needed Jesus, he didn't hide. And so I would encourage you, don't hide. Don't hide when those times come, when you're, when you're wanting to cover that light. What better way for people to see your relationship with God than to see you praying? You know, most of the time we talk about sharing our faith in the words we speak to other people. But how great for someone to observe your relationship with God and get him that way. You know, it happens in human relationships. You know, we admire how other people interact with their spouse or their kids. And we we watch and it impacts us. Well, how we relate to God and how we communicate with God is a great example for other people to get to know God and get to know what our faith is truly like. So for someone to see you praying or to see you living out your faith in any way, to see you communicating with God is a great testimony. It's a great witness to the people in your life all around you. Maybe even more powerful than something you would say directly to them. Don't be afraid to pray. And I encourage you guys. And I'm human. I'm just like you. Don't be afraid to pray in public. A lot of times we just feel awkward. You know, I've heard, you know, working in a church setting for the years I've been doing this, people are afraid to pray in public. They're afraid to pray up front. And I get the whole in front of people thing. I understand that. It's not everybody's gift and not wired for that. But don't ever be afraid to talk to God. Don't ever be insecure about your words. God loves you. You're his child, so yeah, you may stammer and mutter, and you may feel like you aren't articulate or you don't know the right words to say, but you go with confidence to God and lift up whatever prayer you want to lift up and know that God knows your heart, right? So if he he welcomed the children to come to him, how much more will he welcome us in our 
you know, prayers that aren't maybe worded right or, you know, we fumble around a little bit. That's fine. And the people you pray for in that way will see your heart. And they'll admire the fact that you even want to pray with them. So if you're in Target and, and you're having a conversation with someone and prayer is appropriate, then pray in Target. You know, pray, pray in Starbucks. You know, I'm not asking you to stand up on a table so that the whole place can hear you. But don't hide either, you know. Uh, that might be a little weird. <laughs> um, but don't hide. And that's the point. Don't, don't be fearful. Do not stop praying or do not withhold prayer because you're afraid. Think of Daniel and how those windows were open and he didn't care who saw him. And death was, was looming for him. And so Jesus has some words on this balance between hiding and doing it in public. Uh, Jesus says, Matthew 10, 32, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So this is important to God. It's important to him that we acknowledge him and not hide our faith in him. And you think about any relationship. What would you do or how would you feel if one of your closest friends or a family member didn't acknowledge you in public or didn't want to be seen with you? You know, it's like embarrassing, you know. Some of you guys, if you're a parent, maybe you had kids do that. We're like, oh, I don't want anybody to see you, you know. Um, but in Matthew 6, then, he, he, he tells what kind of public prayer and public stuff is not cool. In Matthew 6, 5, he says, Then when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So humility is important. But the point is, don't, make a, don't do it in public to be seen, but don't hide either. If it's appropriate, do what the Spirit leads you to do. So it says there in Daniel, three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his, his God, just as he had done before. So the thing I think it's important to note about that is that Daniel wasn't a stranger before God. It's, he didn't just pray when this happened, when all this stuff went wrong. You know, and we do that. Sometimes our connection with God is born out of a difficult situation. Some of you guys can relate to that. Uh, but Daniel was not a stranger before God. So I want to encourage you, don't be a stranger before God. Don't just pray to him when something goes wrong. Make this a regular conversation. Talk to him regularly so that when those times come, you're not like, hey, God, uh, don't really, we don't really talk a lot, but here I am. Um, if that happens, that's fine. Go to him. But I'm telling you today, start that now. Start when times are good. Start now. Don't be a stranger before God. Regularly pray. It says that three times a day. And you know, this is not a formula. But, but what I would encourage you to do is regularly communicate with God. It says Jesus withdrew to pray. If you read the scriptures, Jesus often withdrew to pray. And it says in Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. So Jesus wasn't a stranger before God either. He was God, but he wasn't a stranger before God. He prayed to God. He talked to God when he was here. Don't let anything stop you. And whatever you would say, why don't you pray? Ah, well, it's this. Ah, well, it's that. And all of us have those things. It's time. It's, I have this going on. Or I feel like God doesn't like me. Or, you know, we have all these different things that we say. Don't let anything stop you. Don't let... Daniel had stuff that would stop him. Jesus certainly... Had excuses where he, I don't have any time. I'm healing people. I'm teaching all the time. I don't have any time to do this. He made time. And you may look at this and say, well, Daniel, you know, he, if windows were open, he kneeled down, you know, man, that's really spiritual. Three times a day, I hear these people that wear holes in the carpet next to their bed. Like, gosh, I could never. Talk to God. When you're driving, when you're in the shower, when you're walking, when you're at work, when you're typing, just, just talk to him. Just communicate with him. There's no formula for this in the scriptures. 
The formula is pray continually. Pray all the time. Let that connection be constantly open with God. So if you look at Daniel 6.11, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asked God for help because they were laying in wait. So it says they found him praying and asking God for help. So they probably hear him praying. And praying for help. He was praying for God's favor. He was praying for God's mercy on him in this situation. He was praying for the grace of God. So they found him doing this. Now, if you skip ahead to verse 23, so if you skim down there, and you can read the rest at home later, the the fill in there. Basically what happened was they found him praying. Aha, gotcha. They dragged him before the king. The king was freaking out because he didn't didn't mean to do that. He loved Daniel. He thought Daniel was great. So when he realized what they had done, he was angry. He was upset. He was in anguish. So they arrested Daniel. But then he felt like his role as as emperor and king, he couldn't go back on the law. So he was like, man, Daniel, I hope your God is real because it's go time. So he took him and tossed him in the lion's den. And the king skipped his late night TV shows that night. And and he couldn't sleep. And he was all messed up. and, And so he was sitting there like hoping that Daniel would make it through the lion's den and so the next morning he shows up and yells for Daniel and Daniel's like hey I'm in here you know everything's fine the kitties are good in here you know and uh so they pull him out and then the king's pretty ticked off with those other guys and and you can read all about that so he delivers them basically and uh verse 23 says the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den that he was thrown in and when Daniel was lifted from the den No wound was found on him. And here's the phrase I want to capture here. Because he had trusted God. Because he trusted God. Demonstrate your trust by praying. Prayer is a demonstration of our trust in God. Now, if you're like, man, well, how is that so? Think about Daniel. He was a powerful man and a smart man. He could have fought back, I'm sure, somehow. There's no record that he even tried. That he tried to counter what these guys were doing, that he used his political connections and influence. There's no record of Daniel using human, earthly weapons to battle this. He simply trusted God. He prayed, said, God, this is in your hands. You put me here. You literally put me in this country. You let me be here. I got to trust you with this. And just like if you read in Daniel where the three friends were thrown into the fiery furnace... And they said, even if God doesn't, even if I die, so what? And I'm sure that was Daniel's mentality. If these lions rip me apart, what? it's God's thing. It's not my thing. I'm not going to fight back with this. I'm going I'm to lay it in the hands of God. And he, he didn't fight in earthly ways. So I'd encourage you, go to God for help first. When something goes wrong, go to God for help first. Be like Daniel. God put you where you are, even if, the, if it's a difficult place. And that may be something you need to work through with God if you don't like where you're at in life. God, how could, let, God, how could you let this happen to me? How could you, we don't have any record of Daniel doing that. He just trusted God with the plan. He didn't complain to him. He didn't get angry at him. God, this is up to you. He had seen the power of God at work, and he knew God, if, if God wanted to work, he would. And if you look at Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. Remember his prayer in the garden? God, it would be awesome if you took this cup of death away from me. But if you don't, your will be done. So Jesus demonstrated the same kind of trust in God. He did not fight back. He did not use arguments. He just trusted God and he did as God wanted him to do. And he did go to the cross. So it's God's will and his plan, his created plan that, that governs all of this. But either way, don't let anything stop you from praying. Don't let anything stop you from trusting God. Fight through all of the interference. 
Luke twenty two forty two. Jesus says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What a great prayer. Something, even when we can't think straight, we can pray that. We can just pray right out of the scripture there. So to end this, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 26, the king uh, decides that he's going to issue something else, you know, throughout his whole empire. He says, I issue a degree, a, de- a, degree, a decree in every part of my kingdom People must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. If you live your life like Daniel, if you go to God, if you pray to God, if you trust God, then it's God who will get the glory. But if you rely on yourself and you go to human and earthly ways of doing things, then it'll be either you or someone else who gets the glory or no glory will be given at all. Let your life be like Daniel's. Lay it all in God's hands. In the end, people will look at him and your name will be referenced as a footnote and that's exactly how we want it, right? We want people to look at our lives and see Jesus. We want people to look at us and see God. Hard to do. But with the Spirit's help, we can be like Daniel. We can fight through this interference. So the thing today is don't let anything stop you from praying. Do not let anything interfere with your FaceTime from God. Because the only person that can stop your FaceTime with God is you. No one else can. Death, life, no human power, no spiritual power can interfere with your FaceTime if you won't let it. Because God is always accessible to you. It doesn't matter what kind of environment, hostile environment, great environment, doesn't matter how busy you are. God is always there. He's always accessible. He's always waiting. He's always wanting to hear your voice. He's always wanting a heart connection with you. So you have to be the one that embraces that. Jesus prayed till his last breath. He didn't let physical pain stop him. He literally was breathing out a conversation with God until his last breath. He is our model and example. So the question I want to ask you is, how are you reacting to the interference that this world presents in your FaceTime with God? As you sit here today, how are you reacting to the interference in your life that threatens to take away your FaceTime with God? Why don't you bow your heads here and at the mills, and I'm going to pray and... I'm going to turn it over to David up at the mills uh, to respond and conclude up there after I pray. And the worship team is, is coming up, and we're going to close with a song here. As your heads are down, your eyes are closed, and you're thinking about the answer to that question, how are you reacting to the interference? And, and guys, that interference could be anything. It could be doubt and anger. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're like, man, I have too many doubts. I don't talk to God because I'm just so overcome with doubt that he even exists. I can't bring myself to say anything to him. Can't hurt to call out. Test him. See if he's there. Start talking to him. What is the interference for you? Think about that. What things are are taking this away? Is it your schedule? Is it your physical condition? Maybe your body is hurting and broken. What is it that's threatening to take this away? And what is the next step for you in overcoming and pushing through that interference? 
It's not just you at stake here. Parents, your kids need to know that you know how to pray. Parents, your kids need to see you praying. Kids, your parents need to see you praying. Your family, your coworkers need to see you praying. The people that God has placed around you need to see this healthy connection with God. They don't need to see just words, just beliefs and a list of bulleted points of things you believe are wrong and right. They need to see a living, breathing relationship with a very real God that's present in your life. That's what they need to see. More than they need you to articulate your position on things, on Facebook or elsewhere, they need to see you communicating with God. So open the windows. Open the windows and let your prayers fly. And for everyone in this room, I don't care who you are or what your spiritual, whether you say you believe in God or don't, whatever your deal is, you can do this. You can talk to God. And, you know, my thing is, I don't need to convince you because I believe that God can speak for himself because I believe he's alive. I believe he's real. So if you start talking to him, I believe he's going to talk back to you. If you open your heart sincerely, he can be found by you. So maybe you're here today at the mills or here in Oakmont and you do not currently have a relationship with God. And maybe your first step today is, Jesus, man, I I don't know how real you are, but I I want to reach out to you for the first time today. Maybe you want to pray. You don't even know how to pray. No one's ever showed you how to do it. You just want to talk to God and say, you know what? I'm hearing that you died on the cross for my sin. I hear you're this God that loves me. I I just want to reach out to you today. Will will you come into my life? Will Will you talk to me and reveal yourself to me? Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe you're here today and and your first prayer and and first step in starting this is, God, forgive me because I have succumbed to the interference. I have let A, B, and C, these things, I've let these things interfere, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for letting things interrupt my communication with you. Please forgive me and help me to start over today. Maybe your prayer is, God, give me strength because this is hard, and God, here are the list of things that make it so hard for me to have face time with you. Holy Spirit, will you give me strength as I leave this place today? to make a change and to overcome and to persevere and not be afraid and not hide and and to trust you. God, give me strength to not let anything stop me from praying. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.